0: Welcome to the Sacred Womb Podcast, womb-centered wisdom for the arc of womanhood, with me, your host, Melanie Swan. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today, Kim Bernard and I are going to be talking about the root cause of keeping oneself small. So this is a real big topic and it's a big issue that I see with almost everyone I work with and so does Kim. So we're going to talk about what the root cause actually is and how to heal it today because when we don't know what that is, we just try and kind of paste over it with affirmations and trying to feel better and trying to push through and trying not to feel that way and keeping telling us we do deserve and we're okay, but you know, nothing nothing works actually. We might make a bit of progress, but... Um, it's like pushing water uphill. I know. So anyway, Kim, welcome. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me back, Mel. Okay. And you're going to hear lots more from Kim because Kim and I are working a lot together now when we're running the we're medicine woman training together and we're running circles and ceremonies together. And we set our intention for something very, very special in England that's going to happen at some stage. We don't know when uh, we do when I finish the book, but um, we, we're going to be setting up a healing center together based somewhere in England. Um, and it's, we're going to be doing group work and womb ceremonies and sweat lodges and transformational weekends and silent retreats and all that kind of thing. It's going to be very nature based and herbal based and good food based and stuff. So Yeah that's what we're that's what we're brewing in the background anyway so anyway let's go for it i'm day 20 kim your day i'm
1: literally day 26 so i am very close to my bleed um so if i'm a bit con- a bit bit short a bit
0: to the point then you know why that's what we like it's going to be a very clear very, (laughs) almost condensed podcast. I I could probably talk for an hour. I'm I'm in that kind of like, woohoo, yeah, yeah, go for it phase. Cause like, yeah, give me the link where we, (laughs) tell me what I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get on with it, Mel. So let's, let's just go for it, Kim, ask me whatever you want. And to everyone listening, I hope this is useful for you. I hope this reaches loads and loads of women because it is this chronic thing that most of us carry until we clear it and it's it's debilitating um so we can't think it away uh so okay let's go for it kim
1: yeah so i want to actually start off by asking you what do you mean by keeping yourself small
0: okay great question well there are several expressions of it and these aren't limited to but these are the main expressions. One of the main ones is is kind of, if if I can describe like keeping our energy small, keeping our life force kind of, I want to do things, but it's hard. And, you know, and just lots of excuses come or reasons. And it's just kind of like, we can't, we can't think any further, our, our consciousness can't kind of expand any further. So it's it can it can come with beliefs like feeling not good enough somehow or unworthy or believing that somehow that we don't deserve love or money or success or or we deserve it, but just in very small measures and very containable measures and well, I could earn some money, but not too much. But I could earn, if I earn too much. <laughs> and there's all these, like, all this narrative develops around the root. If we think about the root as something, which I'll talk about later, we've got all these kind of weeds, kind of overgrowing, which are thoughts as to why it's happening. Um, it It shows up as imposter syndrome as well, like fearful that people are going to find out who we really are underneath, somehow, if we if we go on social media and are seen or heard or work with people and they, you know, someone finds out we're really truly just incompetent or a shitty person underneath. So these aren't like top level thoughts; they're usually subconscious, and they're kind of seeping through. Um, or it's been afraid to embody our full life force and what will happen just like a an unknown sort of state of being where we're just like oh I've got you know this is really common with therapists oh my god like uh, I've put my website up and people are booking in and oh I don't know if I've got the capacity or I don't know if I've got the skills or what's going to happen or who's going to see me and what it's just this unknown area that we've not touched before that some other routes are driving that you know, we just need to uncover them. Um, or scared to, scared to speak up, scared to have an opinion, scared to share the opinion, scared to disagree with anybody else, scared to be different than than the main message in your topic of work, and just generally afraid to do what we want in the world. Um, it's really debilitating, and then of course we just we just layer on top of it things to compensate so not so it's basically feeling fear and not feeling worthy and not feeling good enough and just like just not able to step forwards in a in a way that actually means something as in like we then do the work we want to do it's there might be small steps but it can feel really difficult so it's It's hard because there's many expressions of it, but I would say they're the main ones.
1: Yeah. I want to ask you a quick question just because you mentioned the imposter syndrome. And I know that um, so many women feel this, particularly in their premenstrual phase and just put it down to being something normal. Is this keeping yourself small that's showing up the imposter syndrome in the PMS
0: related to this? I'm only in the... In our premenstrual phase, our hormones shift, our state of being shift, and our subconscious opens up. So we're more able to feel what's underneath. Great. Mother Nature's way of helping us grow and helping us see stuff. But we can attribute it to, oh, I'm premenstrual, it's my hormones, it's not really real making me feel this way. But actually it is real because we've got more access to our subconscious. It's, it's running all the time. It'll be woven into everything, but we just can't feel it as much. So what we do, because it's uncomfortable, it's, it's not nice to, you know, it's not pleasant to feel like unworthy or undeserving or shackled <laughs> at all. Um, so we kind of paced over it and and women are terrible for this we all say oh you know we might one one woman might say oh I've got a dinner party's planned tonight and I just don't feel good enough and I've you know I've been baking the risotto for six months and I've sourced the seeds from the rice grains from Italy myself and I've roasted the tomatoes (laughs) you know they've got all this effort to feel kind of good enough and worthy. And it's a, a compensatory action. And then women, <laughs> in, a, in a way, to kind of, in an attempt to kind of love each other and support each other, okay, no, no, you are worthy, you're amazing. But what we actually need is for us to all sit down and say, I wonder where that's coming from. And just get really curious about, ah, oh, your subconscious is open, that's coming out. What can we what can we do about that? What needs processing? Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
1: So why, I mean, we're talking about women, but why do women feel this this sense of keeping themselves small, all those things that you've described in particularly?
0: Um, yeah, because men can feel that too. But why women in particular? Women are rewarded for it in our culture. In our in our modern society, women are rewarded for taking the shirt off their back if someone needs it, for doing everything. I mean, the woman that has it all, kids, a job, a husband, a family, like, no, thank you. Um, and, And when we spread our energy very thinly, we're not really doing any of it well. It's not serving us. We're not taking care of ourselves. But our culture rewards it. And girls historically in a good amount of families are rewarded for being nice and sweet and kind and serving and subservient as well so it is changing now but we are carrying that collectively still very much I feel in our collective consciousness
1: yes so so that brings me on to my next question um you know, we, we are talking about what the actual root causes are of this, because that
0: seems so ingrained the way you've just described that. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite bit. What is the actual bloody root cause? <laughs> Get on with it. Get to it. Get to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell yeah. me what I, what I need to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the first one, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. I mean, a lot of women in the healing community have got access to this one. It's, it's- so we're looking at past lives. If you don't believe in past lives, we just say, look, we've got a consciousness. We've got a soul. Uh, it could all be happening now, whether it's past, present or future. It's in our consciousness. That's what I mean by past life work. So we're looking beyond this life. So one common thing that's happened is we've been persecuted for speaking up, sharing our gifts, Um being a medicine woman, being a witch, being a, a healer, being a doula, all those sorts of things. Um, that's fairly obvious. And, and as I said, the healing community have pretty good access to this. Um, next one, we don't have very much access to, but it's, the, it's one of the keys actually to moving this on. So the, being persecuted, we're in a victim position. Where we've been hurt, it's valid, the pain is valid, it needs looking at, it needs processing, and that dismantles the defence response of being scared to do it again. The other one is looking at the we so we look to heal, we actually look at all parts of our consciousness when we've been in a victim position, when we've been in a perpetrator position, and when we've been in a failed rescuer position. So the next one we go to is perpetration, where we've hurt others. This is the hardest thing usually for us to take a look at, especially when we are in this life and we're wanting to do something different because we've dissociated it in our consciousness. And we you know, we, nobody wants to look back in their um, past life consciousness and be like, oh, I'm killing, and raping and maiming and pillaging and doing all these things. And uh, it's hard. It's hard to look at. However, it's one of the most freeing things um, because when we've hurt others in past lives, we have some sense of consciousness, some sense of not wanting to do it again. So what we do is what happens is we become like afraid of our own energy, afraid of embodying our life force because what's going to happen if we embody it, like it will unleash it and we might hurt people. And this is so common in therapists, um, of just feeling like, well, I don't want to hurt my clients, and so we we, we operate in a very t- kind of timid way, not wanting to trigger them and not wanting to challenge them, and you know, it's amplified by attachment, which I'll talk about in a minute. But being able to look within—that's like true shadow work. Like, where have I hurt others? Where is the thread of that now in this life? Because none of us are. Um, how can I put it? We all hurt others in some way relationally where, you know, obviously we're not killing and maiming and raping anymore, but it's, we will be hurting ourselves. We will be hurting others in some way when that is unresolved in our consciousness. And to actually sit and look at that and integrate it into our being and say, yeah, I'm everything uh, is very healing, but it can be very difficult in the first instance. So Yeah. It's we've hurt others in past lives and I see it time and time and time again. Uh even if I you know, I start working with someone, they say, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But then we do the work and they eight, nine out of ten times will say to me, You know, when you said that at the beginning of the work about the perpetration, I thought yeah, yeah, but probably not me. <laughs> it's okay. It's a protective mechanism, but uh... I have to I was
1: gonna I was gonna jump in here because, um I find with the the persecutor work, it is very sneaky about how it shows up in like this life. So we tend to have that that no, no, not me. And then when you start to bring that co-consciousness into it, you're like oh actually yeah it's showing up here it's showing up here so it's a really interesting point thanks Mel
0: it does weave itself in to our relationships and our relationship with self so but it's amazing like when when that's resolved and it's not just one lifetime when that dynamic is resolved. <sighs> oh mm-hmm. the brakes come off our life for us and life's so much easier I know because I was carrying it, it was it used to be like pushing water uphill through a sieve and I was making pretty good progress still so I I know and I know it's difficult but I know it's possible so so then we moved to the other bit of the triangle or the corner I don't remember my maths maths homework and what you call it angle (laughs) the other angle the other point on the triangle is failed rescuer so we've got victim perpetrator failed rescuer and this is where we've done something uh benevolently or not we've tried we've tried to do something and we've failed we've tried to rescue or we've tried to do our work and it's just failed somehow and the pain of that is unbearable. That's all trauma is just unbearable pain that can't be felt at the time. So, again, we store that and it creates defense responses and it creates patterns through our consciousness. And what failed rescuer does is give this, oh, oh like a, a downward feeling in our energy, that in our energy system of, well, it was so bad last time. I tried and I failed, so I'm not going to try it again. Um, this is something I've come up uh, against in writing the book. Like I, I was doing medicine work before in a past life. And I, my perception was that I'd failed miserably actually looking back at it. When I revisited it, it was just the commercial what you commercialization of stuff like that period of commercialization actually, because we got no into that then there was no knowing of the bigger picture. And so my community fell apart and, People wanted to do other things and go to different places. And I was just carrying this. Oh dear. So yeah, once that's cleared, I could I could write more. So it's looking at all three states, really. And and of course, all three states are carried within our consciousness. So we when we incarnate in this life, we plop into families <laughs> that amplify whatever's going on within us so that we can actually see what's in our own consciousness so that's not to hold our child psyche or child cells responsible for anything that happened you know parents treat children terribly sometimes and that's never going to be okay we're never going to say to a three-year-old well you were carrying it from a past life so well uh, yeah you're just going to learn from the abuse that's not what I'm saying at all because our child's our child psyche isn't in touch with that, but at a soul level, we can have a look at what was driving that, what had us land in with those parents, what was in our consciousness that somehow resonated. And that means we can really take responsibility for where we landed and for the things that are happening within our system then. So the fourth one, yes, that's what we're on right now. Landing in families that amplify it. So Our our nervous system, our brain, our neurobiology is formed in response to parents, particularly mum when we're in the womb. And also it starts when we start to incarnate as well at our conception. So it's amplified by attachment. So what what is quite common is having particularly like mums that are quite emotionally volatile holding trauma that's unprocessed and so child is kind of good or does what they think is good and tries to sort of regulate mum and not not trigger mum which you know a lot of the things that trigger mums that are um you know just holding a lot of trauma is when their child starts to thrive um so it, it'll be amplified in our neurobiology to not thrive, kind of be okay, or being sick gets me love, or um this doesn't get me love, so I'm gonna hide that bit of me. But this does, so I'm gonna amplify that bit. So when we're doing the work to clear this, we have to look in this life, how we're holding that in our body. In our past lives or in our consciousness, how we're holding that in our body, how it's showing up, and what is the what is like the overall soul lesson from that happening, and then we can integrate it and embody a different state. Uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely possible because I've done it and I do it every day, and you do it all the time. Uh, but it's knowing that that's even a thing that helps us take that first step. And that's what I'm hoping this podcast does is just ignite that spark in someone who's listening for, Oh, that's a thing. That's not something I just have to try and kind of weave around and just keep trying. Something I have to deal with. Yeah. 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 Because it's chronic, you know, it just gets worse the older we get anyway. And the defense responses Mm. get stronger and more sophisticated for us. So We just get resourced enough, like create enough um, security within our own body and our system to be able to look at the root cause. And this is not just so anyone listening. If you've done loads and loads of work, it's probably a one session thing that you can kind of take, you know, move the block pretty quickly. For most of us, it's wound into our neurobiology it's wound into our attachment it's in several lifetimes it could even be across species as well when we've been different species so it's it's a piece of work i guess Mm -hmm. is what i'm saying because it's a root system rather than a root cause yes yes okay and so obviously you've
1: you've talked a little bit about how to work with it how to heal it
0: do you have anything to add to that um, I think the one thing I would say that's really popular right now is generational healing. And I just, it's freaking wonderful that we've got such, um, an expanding consciousness around this, that yeah, stuff does get passed on. And what I'm seeing is, well, my mum said I wasn't good enough, or my nan was carrying, I wasn't good enough, or she struggled to share her gifts. And So this, therefore, I'm, this is not mine. And of course we do, we do pick up stuff. We, we pick up imprints like cellular imprints in the womb. Um, And, you know, really early on from the messages and the beliefs we get from those who are caring for us. However, it's always in our own consciousness. We come in with it. There's a thread that attracts us, that is a vibrational match for where we land So as much as we want it to be, not ours, it is. And we can also look at clearing the generational stuff so that cellular imprint clears as well. So it's really taking a whole view so that we can heal, which means to become whole. Because if we think about, say we've had 3,000 lifetimes, how many lineages have we been in? How many experiences have we had? And so it's always tempting to think, this isn't mine. It's not me. It's inherited trauma. And when we get down to it, when we get to the actual root system, sure, there's a cellular amplification from where we land, but it's within our consciousness. And that's one of the most powerful things we can do in our healing journey is to just say, well, I've got it, so it's mine. So, now I can do something about it, yeah
1: and I think, and I think that's exactly what I was going to say to you. I feel like by just saying, "Oh, it's not mine, it's a generational thing. It almost gives away our power in actually doing anything about it that that that's kind of how it lands for me anyway, so yeah, thank you for just clarifying that. I think it's so important,
0: yeah, but also generational stuff, we can only see what we can see, like I know my nan, I'm from the north, so I have a nan, grandmother. (laughs) Uh, Grandmother was carrying something and it was passed, you know, to my mum in a kind of verbal and imprinted way. And, you know, I kind of picked up that cellular amplification as well. However, when we do the generational work, it's usually way back. Way, way back where the pattern actually started, and then it kind of twists and turns around and it becomes what it is in its present day, but it didn't start like that. So, uh, it's a three pronged approach really this life, past lives, and our generational lineages. And yeah, we just go for it and it clears.
1: Mm. Brilliant. Is there anything else that you want to add to this, Mel, as we just come to the end of our time together?
0: Um, Just to really, I really hope that from this episode, women really understand that it is actually possible to clear it, like not just work on layers and just make it a bit less. I mean, it is a process. It does take some time. However, at a certain point you know the amount of love in our system gains more momentum than the pain and that in itself we, we we become self-healing so it's definitely possible I've done it myself I've done it with plenty of people and we can be free of that and we can embody a full life force and it just feels bloody lovely mm. it's lovely <laughs> and then of course we progress and evolve and then we can weed something else out and weed something else out and be ready for that. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely possible and feels amazing. That's it. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me on here again. Um, Pleasure. Yeah. And thank you for asking me questions and giving a different perspective and just, just as always, Kim, thanks so much. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you everyone. Uh, Just, yeah, I'd love to hear your feedback. You can, you can leave me a comment on Instagram. You can leave me a comment on Facebook and, uh, yeah, I hope this is very helpful for you and I'll see you next time.